Howdy, howdy. Welcome, this is Marvel 616 Politics, Episode 17, with Andy Kirby and Jared Mayo. Jared Mayo, how was church today? Ah, uh, it was great. It was real good. I texted you a little bit. <laughs> During church? Yeah. <laughs> for shame, for shame. I'm awful. How was yours? Good. I missed the first half because I was doing the usher thing. I was oh, I was glad-handing people, you know? <laughs> awesome, man. Man, I am, I am super excited for this podcast, and when I found out that we couldn't do it on Thursday, I was devastated because I was all about this. And I, I just have to say, the body politic out there now is such an awesome awesome time to be uh, a follower of the Marvel 616. I mean, there's so much going on right now. It's fantastic. These past couple months and these next couple months, oh, it's, it's, like, it's like a kid in the candy store. Well, I think we've got a lot of really good promises. We just got to make sure they follow through with them, you know? What are you talking about? Even if they don't, you got to live in the present right now. Oh, my gosh. Don't feed me that line of crap. What are you talking No, it's good. It's good. I mean, Dark Reign and Siege are ending. This Hulk thing hopefully is ending soon. And then we got, <laughs> you know, we have the X-Men second coming, coming ending as well. And, uh... You know the gauntlet. Everything's over. That's not good. We want to. We still want to have good stuff coming. Well, I know, but it's exciting when you get that closure. When you're like, "Hey, everything's coming to a head," right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, I think it's fantastic. I, I read this week's stuff and I was like, "Oh, this is amazing. This is so good." I don't know. I haven't been excited. I haven't been this excited since like, in a while. In a while. Since uh-huh. before the other, I think. Oh, that's been a while. I know, I know. That's how excited I am. I'm this excited. So you weren't real jacked up for Civil War or Secret Invasion or anything? Civil War, no. Uh-uh. I uh, I told Jackie. I was in California at the time, and I remember. I told Jackie. It was like, ah, I understand where they're going with this, but I'm not looking forward to it. And she was like, well, then don't read it. And I was like, no, you don't understand. Like, <laughs> There are storylines that I don't like, but that's what makes it, that's what makes everything good because... You know, you don't like what happens in real life all the time, so you have yeah. to, you know, you have to roll with the punches. So. Yep. Well, what about Secret Invasion? Were you excited when that came out? I was just because they had laid seeds for that all the way back in New Avengers number one. So I was I was interested to see on how that was gonna fold out, and I actually thought that the that they might lose, that Earth might lose, and then you know the heroes it, like Earth might get occupied. And uh, I felt like there was a chance of that. And so I thought maybe instead of Dark Reign, we would have like a whole year of scroll occupation and them having to fight back and then, you know, do yeah. maintaining the new or establishing a new status quo. I thought the same thing, too. And then and then you read issue eight and you're like, oh, bummer. <laughs> well, yes. But uh, this, oh, this episode, this episode, we're going to be talking about uh, the end of Siege, 
and the end of an era here. This is right before they're going to start the relaunch of all the Avengers titles, and uh, so it, it's pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. Well, before we get to that, we've got something else to talk about. You well, know? let's give out our contact information. Yeah. Then you can then you can yeah. pester me all you want about <laughs> what, whatever else. All right. Like we said, this is Marvel 616 Politics. We appreciate you listening and your feedback. You can uh, email us at marvel616politics at gmail.com. Uh, you can go to our Hip Happening website at marvel616politics.com. And uh, Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at 616politics uh, or uh, twitter.com slash 616politics. And these are all the numbers, not the, not the letters. Don't spell out 616. That's too long. Yes. <laughs> you can also look us up on Facebook at facebook.com slash marvel616politics. Or you can give us a call, leave us a voicemail, ask us questions at 616-755-TINA. Woo, Tina. All right. Oh, speaking, before we get started on your stuff, I, I apologize. You handed me that uh, Tigra comic. It was like Marvel Heroes annual something from the 80s. Oh, yeah. Like the super special or something. Yes. I have to say, I, I did read that Tigra story, and man, I just she had the Tina Turner hair, and I think that's why you gave it to me. <laughs> <laughs> Not because it was Tigra, but because she had that that huge hair, man. It was insane. <laughs> yeah, I never read that issue. I just pulled out the Tiger pages and I pulled out the X-Men pages and gave you the comic, so I don't know. <laughs> Here, here's a ripped up comic for you. Have fun with it. Hey, be happy. <laughs> hey, I'm, I am. I am happy. It was, uh, I, I would get to read that many Tiger comics, so. Yeah, there aren't a lot of them out there. No, we should be so lucky. Okay, I just... Yeah, when, when Andy came up to visit in Ohio, I, I made sure I had a little something for him. So, yeah, but, but each each episode, we always try and give you guys, uh, the body politic, a little bit of an insight into who we are and kind of what makes us tick or what's going on in our lives right now. And uh, Andy is really into conspiracy theories. So I'm just going to kind of let you roll, man, and kind of tell me, what what got you into these, or you know, have you always um, had some of these thoughts? Are, you know, are they coming from you, or are you part of a um, a group that's plotting to take over the government? Or, or tell, just tell us about some of your conspiracy theories and and uh, some of the your, the origin behind those. Well, <laughs> that's that's very specific. Thank you. First and foremost, they're not theories if they're true. Okay, they're not conspiracy theories if if they're true. You're correct. <laughs> okay, all right. So I don't know if I'm as much of a conspiracy theorist as somebody who is privy to know what's going. I don't know. I want to. I don't want to sound highfalutin. Highfalutin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let me think about this. Where, you gotta have to ask me more specific questions. Um. Where? Okay. Most people just read the news and they say, "Oh, the news is what what must be true," but but you don't. So where where does this come from? All right. Most of the news I read, I, I try to figure out exactly why they're reporting it and why it's considered news. Because some of this stuff is just ridiculous. Um, and then I also try to figure out, you know, follow the money. Because it's all about money. It's all about money and power. So um, find out 
which news group is reporting on which stories, which news groups are not reporting on these stories, and then who owns these news groups. And a lot of these people who own the news groups also sit on the boards of many multi-billion dollar companies, as well as banks as also. So you get a lot of Goldman Sachs, uh, you know, banking individuals who sit on a lot of these, you know, news organizations' boards. So you have to find out, is it in their best interest to report something that's counter to what's going I mean, to counter that's going to hurt them, going to hurt the, the higher-ups? No, they don't. So it's kind of more like, all right, what are we being told? What are we being told is happening? But then also, what is really going on right now in the world and not that, that we can't use, that we can't see? Okay. So I'll try to give you an example. Yeah. You, you twittered me a couple examples. Why don't you talk about one that maybe uh, isn't really out there in the public? Okay. All right. <clears throat> Are you familiar with the company Monsanto? I'm not. Okay. Monsanto makes a lot of genetically engineered foods. Uh, genetically engineered corn, a lot, of, a lot of this type of stuff that goes out there in your everyday life and the genetically engineered seeds and stuff like that. They make a lot of money doing it. Now, there was a report done by uh, former President Carter on cancer just recently and he was doing a, a report um, trying to figure out exactly the causes of certain kinds of cancer and things like that so when he got his report back he submitted it to the American Cancer Society and the report said that we need to really look into a lot of these genetically altered foods and how they affect the human body and all that kind of stuff and um, the American Cancer Society came back and said oh well Maybe, but seriously, we need to reassert all our efforts on anti-smoking and all these other things, you know, like uh, no smoking and healthy lifestyle and things like that, not the genetically altered stuff. And if you look into it, one of the major players or one of the major funders behind the American Cancer Society is Monsanto. Now, of course, they're going to say, no, it's not this because they're going to lose money. If they say, exactly, the people who are paying us the most, we need to shut down their product. So it's not necessarily a conspiracy theory. You just got to really think about, okay, now, why is this going on or why is this happening? Some of the more out there conspiracy theory stuff, I guess, is, um, you know, you've heard of the Illuminati or the Trilateral Commission. No. Well, I mean, unless we're talking about Black Bolt and Professor X and Dr. Strange. <laughs> <laughs> right, yes. Well, <laughs> there's um, some people think that there's a group of people out there that rule or try to rule the entire world through politics and money and things like that. These people think that the Republicans and the Democrats are pretty much run by the same people and they're just two sides of the same coin. And I'll, I'll give you a quick example of that. Like the Patriot Act that Bush put into place, it kind of put the hardware all in place for, you know, to, to keep tabs on everybody. And yet uh, when the Obama administration came in, they're they're enacting the software, so to speak, with the, you know, with taking away or changing the definitions of terrorists, um, changing the rights that terrorists have, um, and then... Also, you know, with the health care and things like that, making people more dependent on the government. So you have the hardware in place where, um, you know, Bush and that group says, hey, for the protection of the people, what we need to do is make sure that no terrorists are lurking within our borders and no, you know, 
they're not talking on the phone and they're, you know, whatever. And then, so you have, you keep tabs on people and then you make people more dependent on the government and then it's easier to control people. And control is all about power and, you know, that's, that's what they want. Now, the reason why I believe some of these things is because I'm a Christian and not all Christians think this way. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that, uh, according to the Bible, I know what the end looks like. In Revelation, it talks about a one-world government. It talks about the world uniting against God at the at the Battle of Armageddon. Um, it talks about the Antichrist who unites the world. So looking toward that, knowing what the end looks like, we're going to see that there is a one-world government. And somehow, between now and then, it has to come about. So it's very easy for me to believe that people are working to that goal instead of, oh, it's just going to fall so do you believe that there's a, a secret group, kind of like an Illuminati, that is, is running the show? I believe that there are uh, elitists out there, what they're called, um, that think that the rules do not apply to them and they are working toward a goal. Uh, do I think there's just five people? No, I think that there's very powerful families out there that um, do whatever they want. It's, well, you gotta you got to think of it this way. Like, if you're not a Christian... And uh, let's say you're an atheist, um, which everybody out there, that's your right to believe that. You know, you can believe God made us God made us to have free will and to believe what we want. So I'm going to go ahead and say out there, level playing field. Let's say you're an atheist. Um, what what are you living for? You live for yourself. You live for the good of humanity. You live for right now, whatever you have. So, and that's a, that's a general statement. I don't know. I mean, if you're an atheist out there, correct me. That's fine. But, um, so what you want to do is you want to make sure you live the longest. You preserve this place for your progeny and you keep it the best you can because this is your legacy. This is all you have on earth. And if you had a choice, why would you want to die? Why not just make your life last forever here? And when you think about it that way, and if you put yourself into the elitist mentality and say, well, how can we accomplish this? Well, these natural resources are being used up, so we need to preserve them. But really, population control is a big part of that. So you want to control how many people are using your resources and, and, and things like that. Now, as a Christian, uh, my future, my sight is set on things above and things beyond. So I know that after I leave this place, I'm going to go to heaven to be with God. Uh, because I trusted Jesus as my Savior, because he took away my sins, and so I had that restored relationship with, with God. Um, so it, I'm not saying I don't care about the environment. We're, we're supposed to care about what God has given us and be a good steward. But I'm, I'm trying to make it a better place for my children, and so that they can live and enjoy the things that I have. So it's a different mentality. Um, I don't want to use and abuse people, uh, but I don't necessarily think that humanity can unite and achieve anything and overcome anything because sin ruins that and you can't just say you know i choose from now on to love everybody i come in contact with and treat them nicely because it's not going to work it doesn't work as a christian it doesn't work as a non-christian you I, I will get mad at somebody tomorrow i will get mad at somebody today i'll lose my patience so i can't just choose and decide that so humanity coming together and doing that that that's kind of really far-fetched really good man well did you
you want to share anything else with us? I don't want to, I mean, I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but, um, I mean, it's just really, really interesting to me. So if, if there's any others that you want to share, go ahead. But if not, you know, we'll wrap it up. Well, what, what's, what part of it's really interesting to you? That's what I want to know. Well, it's interesting because like, that's just, I mean, you know, I watch Fox News because, you know, I, I want to get a little bit of truth in, in some of my stuff. <laughs> I try to, try to read, um, you know, I read through the lines, you know, when I watch this news or hear that news report or whatever. Um, I try and think outside the box as much as possible. But I think that, that you not only think outside the box, but you get another box and you get in that one and think too, you know? So it's it's very interesting to just hear, you know, um, different sides or different things that, you know, I haven't thought of before. I haven't put those pieces together. Well, uh, speaking to what you said about Fox News, and I... I, I just kind of read the headlines and uh, go from there and then do my own research. And, um, you know, Fox News is giving you one perspective. CNN's giving you another perspective. MSNBC is giving you another perspective. And so when you say that truth, you have to realize that still that's people and there is some agenda out there. And, um, you know, you kind of jokingly said, I want some truth in there. but at the same time, you know, there's there's money involved. And when there's money involved and when there's power involved, um, truth gets corrupted. Well, sure. That's why I said I want a little bit of truth because I know that, you know, no no matter who I listen to it, there's always going to be somebody's opinion or, like you said, somebody's agenda. I just feel like when I listen to them, I get a little more truth than, than I do in other places. Right. Well, as long as you, as long as you realize that, then that's, you know, that's the main thing. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. Yeah, because most people, they don't, it's sad. I think most people don't even think about this, and they say, um, "Well, I don't listen to that because that's garbage." Because they they sway things, and so they do the total opposite. They don't. They might not watch something based on the truth. They might watch something based on staying away from the lies. And so, when you look at it as just the alternative, uh, the better alternative, then you don't even consider what you're actually doing. You just say, well, at least I'm away from this thing. So I think a lot of people are like that. And what, I mean, it helps, it helps me being a Christian because, um, it doesn't matter what my opinion is. It's if it's in the Bible or not. Like people ask me, um, well, do you have a problem with this? And it's like, well, I don't really understand why that's a sin in, but the Bible says it is. And, and therefore it is. Um, I don't have to, I don't have to back it up. I mean, you know, it's kind of like take it up with God. Um, and that, you know, I really do strive to understand why um, the Bible is written the way it is and, w and what's in there. But at the same time, if it comes down to my word versus somebody else, it's nobody's going to win. But if it comes down to God's word versus somebody else, well, I got to go with God on that one. I'm with you. I agree, man. Anyway, if you have any other questions later, well, let's wrap it up for now. But if you have any other questions in subsequent podcasts, feel free. You say, hey, what's going on? What do you think? What's going on over here? So Yeah, because well, I know you've got a lot more going on in your brain than what you shared with us, too. So I'm sure you can maybe drop some hints and fill us in on, on some other podcasts coming up. I, I will do that. I will do that. <laughs> if, if it doesn't annoy our listeners. I know. We'll see how many how many uh, fans we lose this week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, also, P.S. This is the last thing. Um, our listeners over in Great Britain, 
uh, good luck with what's going on with the election and everything. I know the election's over, and I think it's called the term is a hung government where they have to form a coalition. And I think this is the first time in 30 years, I believe, that they've had to do that. So good luck over there. We're thinking about you guys. Hopefully you get the best government possible. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> Sounds a little crazy over there right now, but I'm sure when they hear what's going on over here, they think we're just all nuts, too. Yes, I'm sure. And we are, so it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. All right, we got, okay, we got current event. Current event. We, yes, yes, yes. Okay, now I was just, uh, current events, we're going to do Siege number four and Fallen Sun, which is Siege Epilogue. Um, you want to go ahead and do, I, I let you do Siege number four because I knew you would want to uh, really gloat about the sentry getting killed. <laughs> I, I won't, I'll try not to gloat too much. No, no, do what you, do what you have to. <laughs> All right, well, we'll take a look at Siege number four. Um, let's look at our cover first. I like it. Of course, you know, we've kind of agreed to, to not really care for that sidebar, but that's a pretty sweet uh, sweet shot of all the main uh, Marvel people that are involved with Siege. Yeah, it's a nice uh, little pyramid. I don't know how they're all standing on each other's waist, but yeah. <laughs> uh, what's is that? Koipel? Oliver Koipel? I think so. For the For the cover? Yeah. I like it stuff. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's good. It's great. it's like a mix. It's a mix between, if I may, Cubert uh, and um, Finch, right? Or no? Yeah, I, I I can see some Finch in there. I I remember when I first saw his uh, art in Uncanny, I was like, I just wish he would draw everything because I I really enjoy his art. I gotta say, I'm not a fan of the old Iron Man suit. I mean, I know they have to have it in there for the story, but not a, not a huge yeah, fan. Yeah, I'm glad they're updating. <laughs> yeah. I like the Thor outfit. I think that was a good, good change. Oh, yes. Definitely. Definitely. For chainmail, you know, he's pretty tough. I don't know why he's wearing chainmail, but whatever. What are you talking, he's, what are you talking about? Oh, P.S. Did you see the, um, the still picture of Thor's costume for the movie? Yeah, dude. Oh, uh, fantastic. <laughs> and did you see Iron Man 2? I did see Iron Man 2. Oh, it was so good. Jackie Jackie liked it. She really liked it. Awesome. Did you guys wait for after the credits? Of course we did. Okay, good. I, I felt sorry for all the people leaving. Like, sit down. Where are you going? I know. I felt, I, I thought, I like leaned over to Jackie and I was like, should I tell all these people to, to, to stay? And she leaned over to me and she was like, oh, they're not really comic book fans, Andy. They're not staying till the very end. And I was like, I was thinking the same thing. And then I realized she was mocking me. And so. <laughs> I, uh, I sunk down further in my seat. <laughs> All right, bud. Well, let's take a look at Siege 4. We left off with the Century just exploding into the void and all those tendrils and all that black junk is coming out of him. Um, but we're, but the the, uh, the issue is being narrated, well, at least this beginning part is being narrated by Loki, and Loki has seen what's happened, and he's, he's talking to Odin, he's praying to Odin, talking to Odin, whatever he's doing, 
to Odin, and he's just saying that this is not what um, he had wanted for Asgard. Uh, he didn't realize that the monster uh, inside the sentry could be so powerful, and uh, that he needs he needs Odin's help. He needs to have control of the stones that he had given to the Hood to boost up his powers, that he wants to have control of those stones one last time just to be able to help defeat the sentry. And uh, Odin grants him the wish, and with uh, those, the I think they're the Norn stones. Yeah. With the stones, he he amplifies the Avengers and the other heroes' powers, so that they're going to be able to take down uh, the Sentry. And immediately they just go into battle against the Sentry with their their boosted powers. Uh, with the Hood and his minions, uh, pretty upset because Loki took the powers away, and. Uh, so they're all just battling uh, the, the the Void, who's now like this four-eyed creature with sharp claws and tendrils and teeth, and uh, it's pretty. I, I, I like the art. It's pretty impressive how uh, how Oliver uh, interprets the Void, and uh, Thor goes after him, and uh, just nothing really seems to be working. Um, they're attacking, but but the Void, the Sentry, we'll call him the Void. So I don't have to keep going back and forth. Okay. Um, realizes that the the powers have been amplified on the Avengers, and he realizes that it's mischief. And he looks over and he sees that Loki has the stones. Uh, so he goes after Loki and tells him, "Magic rocks, no, we won't be having any of that." And uh, you see Loki's eyes turn glaze over, turn to black and red as he apologizes, and then he bursts open. Uh, whether he's dead or what, we're not really sure because you remember in the last issue we were all talking. We were talking about uh, how Hela, you know, has has control of Hell now and and all that good stuff, and how Loki won't go there. And so, who knows, you know, if Loki even really died. But in in Siege Number Four, he explodes, and uh, nothing is left. So Thor rallies the troops. Uh, it looks like he even has some tears in his eyes on one page and they start to attack the Void again. Um, as this attack is going on, Norman is, you know, all geared up with his green face paint and uh, goblin teeth. He's trying to escape the battle, and he runs right into Captain America's shield, and uh, Captain America confronts him and, and says, how, do, how can we control him? How do we stop him? Um, we need to, to be able to do something, and Osborne says that he's the angel of death and that they can't stop him because he is the angel of death. Uh, so we cut back to the... So wait, wait, wait. What, what did you think of that? What did you think of that? Uh, uh, well, I told you I wasn't really too pumped about them bringing any kind of uh, biblical allusions into this uh, when we first were reading in Dark Avengers about the century's origin. So I'm really not all about that. Well, see, I think, I think of what I told you was that I thought it was cool because it... It, it explains that he's tapping into a different power, right? Yeah. Okay, well, I think I agree with you now more. Um, I think I changed my mind saying that I, I, I don't like this either because it's, it's a whole nother level. Like, But it just it puts another thing, it's another piece of media that puts angels as like the bad guy, right? Am I wrong? No, totally. But explain to the readers why the angel of death who the angel of death is in the Bible. Okay, well, in Dark Avengers, notice I didn't say in the Bible. In Dark, <laughs> in Dark Avengers, what was it, 13 or 14? Um, it showed Moses uh, back in Israel 
when the angel when the Pharaoh had uh, captured all of Israel and, and had enslaved them and the people of Israel and then the ten plagues came and the last of the plagues number ten was the firstborn of all is of all Egypt was to die and actually it was the firstborn of all the land because um, Israel was not immune the only way that Israel was immune was by killing a lamb and putting the lamb's blood on the doorposts and that's where the angel of death who was doing all the killing would pass by and say okay well this house is covered by the blood of the lamb and it would pass by and the Egyptians obviously didn't do this and Pharaoh's firstborn got killed as well so this is one place that the angel of death is in the Bible another place is the angel of death actually does visit Israel because uh, David performs a census that he was not supposed to do. Um, he did it out of pride, and uh, the angel of death came and, and killed a lot of people, but God actually intervened and said, that's enough people, you know, that's a, you're done. So uh, that's pretty interesting. I read that recently. I believe that's in Second Samuel, for those guys who want to look it up. I'll put it on Facebook later on. Um, so th that's who this this character is, but always he in the Bible, the angel of death has always been on the side of God. You know, he's an instrument used by God. And clearly in this, he's an evil-looking, demonic-looking spider tarantula creature. Yeah. And uh, that's not who it is in the Bible. You know, I mean, in the Bible, like I said, it's a, it's an agent of, uh, of 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 wrath, not of vengeance, but of wrath. Um, that God has poured out, and here it's clearly not that. But on the other hand, I mean, also, didn't it say in Dark Avengers that th that he was um, Galactus? It had something to do with Galactus. Yeah, so I don't understand. I mean, Bendis wrote both of these, and it seems like it keeps flip-flopping back and forth, and I mean, unless Galactus is the Angel of Death, which I think S.H.I.E.L.D., the S.H.I.E.L.D. book is supposed to get into some of that. I don't know. Anyway, I'm not thrilled with it. I think there was a, a different way they could go. And I, it just seems to be a very popular thing now. And I think people are going to laugh at me. But, I mean, with the with the movie Legion that came out where the angels were going to kill all the humans and I and this. And then also um, the movie Avatar. I saw a lot of that. Um, you might be thinking, what are you talking about? Where is that in that movie? But I don't know. I, I when I watched it, the thing that stuck out to me was that these people from the sky, who were technologically advanced and in control and all powerful, were coming to wipe out, you know, a planet, and then the planet had to unite against them and fight them back. And if you take it in today's context, you know, who who's going to be in the future, according to the Bible, who's going to be coming down and and wiping out the planet at the final battle and and who's going to be uniting against them trying to beat them back. So, anyway, it seems to be a very popular thing and I don't I don't really like it because it 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 puts God on the bad team. Well, you, and you know, really if you don't know what you're talking about, don't try and make it up and think that, you know, you can't rewrite uh the Bible to go with whatever movie you're going to be putting out on this Friday, you know? Hellboy, uh Constantine, all kinds of these movies that have angels and um godly depictions of uh of angels or demons you know if if they're not matching up then what are you doing what you can't just interpret it your own way it has to be interpreted correctly 
Well, I think it's very much a cultural thing. I, I think that people think that they do have an accurate view of it. I, they they probably think that demons don't exist because if they did, um, then you would have to agree that angels exist and therefore God exists. So they probably think angels don't exist and here's the lore and the myth of what they are. And so I, you know, it's pretty much open to interpretation. So they're not even concerned with what you're talking about, accuracy, because they don't have anything to gauge it by. Well, so I'm just saying to stay out of it then. <laughs> if you don't know what you're doing, just go away. You know, I don't, I don't want to see this kind of stuff in, in comic books. And, and uh, you know, if you're just making it up, not even trying to read it or taking a verse out of context or, you know, you're not a biblical scholar. You might just want to stay away from that. Well, okay, as much as I agree with you, I'm going to go ahead and say that there are very common and popular misunderstandings. So they don't even know what they don't know. Oh, yeah, I agree with you. I've I've been there before. <laughs> <laughs> okay, not to alienate our audience, but... Just... We now have four fans. <laughs> I'm looking right now. How it's updating this quickly, I don't know, but... <laughs> All right, so Iron Man, he what he does is he calls Victoria Hand, tells them to get everybody out of the shield... Uh, not the shield, the hammer, the hammer um, hell carrier. Get everybody out of there, and he's going to turn it into a bullet. So he takes control of it and slams it into the void, and there's a huge two-page spread with just this massive explosion. Uh, if you thought the explosion, the earlier two issues when Asgard fell was huge, this is even bigger, you know. Um, so, and then so there's this explosion again that throws everybody off, and that gives... Norman a chance to get away from Cap. So he busts Cap in the back of the head with a rock and goes running away. But then Voltstag, he finally got a good lick in on the guy that started it all. So I particularly enjoyed that page. Um, out of the, the dust settles after um, the big huge explosion and the Avengers come walking out and they see Sentry uh, um, in his human form as Bob uh, saying, did I do this? Did I do this? Please just kill me. And Thor goes on to say he's not going to kill him. You know, you have to see the penance for the death of, of Loki and blah, 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 blah. And then Bob's eyes start to turn black with a little yellow dot, and you can see that the void is coming coming back. And what happens? The void comes back, and he explodes, and, and all the Avengers go flying through the air as the void says, kill me. And, and finally, uh, he's got Thor in his clenches, and he's got Patriot and a couple others. And Thor takes his hammer and just whacks him a good one and uh, kills Bob. Uh, yeah. A little skin, red, fleshy thing. And uh, that's Bob. And uh, they say, you know, it just had to be done. And Thor grabs his body, wraps it in his cape, and flies over to the sun. Which I guess I didn't realize Thor could do that. But Thor flies out into space, um, gets just close enough to the sun, and releases his body um, as the sun burns burns it up. Uh, we flash back, no, flash back. We go back to Earth with Victoria Hand and all the Hammer agents, and uh, Cap grabs Norman and brings him along too, and throws him in the pile with the rest of the villains. And uh, Bucky and Cap argue a little bit and. Cap says that Bucky is, needs to be the Captain America. He's got the costume. You do it. He's got something else he's going to be doing. Um, we go forward a day or two, 
to the White House, and the president is just kind of, you know, talking about everything that happened, you know, with Osborne, uh, and the Avengers are going to be put on trial, Hammer's being shut down, um, we're working with Asgardians on a peace treaty now, and I want you to do something for me. And Cap says, uh, well, Steve Rogers says uh, that he serves at the honor of his president, but he's going to do it his way, and the way that he's going to do that is by repealing the Superhuman Registration Act, and uh, so that's what he gets to do. Um, we we flash forward to uh, Avengers Tower, and everybody's having a party. Um, Thing is there, Invisible Woman, all kinds of different um, heroes are there just having a good time um, because, you know, the, the dark reign is over, and the hero gauge is being ushered in. And Iron Man stands up, and he, he gives a little speech about how uh, stubborn he was with the whole Civil War thing. Uh, it doesn't really get many laughs. Um, but then at, during his speech, he looks over, and Thor and the rest of Sif and Volstagg and everybody, they all appear. And they say that from now on, we're going we're gonna to be friends. Um, we're going to have a, you know, Asgard is going to always be there for the Earth. And some kind of structure appears on top of the tower. But what I'm thinking it, from looking at the other issues is that it looks like the Rainbow Road is connecting to the Stark Tower. Did you get that, or what did you get that? Oh, no, I didn't see that at all. I just thought it was a piece of Asgard. Okay, so it's a piece of Asgard. There was some other siege tie-in I was reading, and it looked like the Rainbow Road was now connected. So I'll have to take a look at that again. So there's a piece of Asgard now on top of Stark Tower, and uh shot at the end with, uh, with Steve Rogers in his arm outfit, because he's again, um, in place of Nick Fury. Uh, and uh, the issue ends. So I, I think it went pretty quickly. I think gaps to be filled in, in but that uh, a lot of them were filled in with uh, some of the title like the Initiative and Dark Avengers and a couple of the other small tie-ins uh, kind of filled in those gaps that was in Siege 4 but I thought the art was really good it kind of put a bow on uh, Dark Reign and established some new stuff that's going to be coming up what did you think? Yeah, I agree I thought the, the battle didn't make sense to me the word battling century. The word just got a massive bolt of lightning and and the giant hammer and that was it. And like he could have done that before or like what was going on? Like and well, the panel where he finally takes that last strike is like cut off, you know? Yeah, I know. I had to ah, it's whatever. I I really think that that entire battle should have been um a single issue or it, it, the whole thing covered a lot of ground, you know, which was fine. And, and, you know, you kind of expect that when they're wrapping up and starting a new era and everything. But that's what the epilogue should have been. It should have been an epilogue with all the wrap-up stuff and the party and the president and everything. What they should have done is taken all these pages and devoted it to, you know, how they're going to fight this massive thing. This whole issue wasn't about the fight. It was about people's reaction to the fight. And it didn't say anything. Like, if, if this is the hardest person to kill in the Marvel Universe, and we got two pages of a fight? I guess I interpret it as because, you know, he it was huge, and he turned back into Bob, and Bob was turning back into the Void. And so maybe he wasn't necessarily powered up. And so that's why Thor was able to take him out so quickly and easily. I don't know. I mean, he looks pretty... I mean, he looks huge. Like, look at that one 
tentacle or leg or scorpion tail or whatever. I mean, <laughs> you know, and I didn't understand why the void is screaming, kill me. I didn't understand. It didn't have enough answers for me. And like I said before, I want to know how this ties to Galactus. I want to know, you know, Lindy. She's obviously, she just drowned in the ocean. Is that where she is right now? Like, Bullseye killed her and and that's it. And, you know, now they have this fried human body that is sort of like the void and they're he threw it into the sun and but i mean sentry was supposed to be in the sun anyway and not only that the sentry when molecule man killed him came back like he's come back several times yeah so like why does this you know maybe it's establishing thor as a major player and like a really heavy hitter but i don't see it you know I mean, out of anybody, Thor would probably be the one to take him out of this group. Cap can't do anything, and Iron Man, maybe, but... The art was good. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, and there's a couple of people on our message board that were like, oh, it was such a disappointment, and it was kind of like, well, I can see where they're coming from. I just wanted it to be longer and a little bit more explained. Like, you don't have a whole lot of words on these pages, which is fine, but... You know, explain to me exactly how hitting the dude with a hammer and lightning is going to kill him when everybody else is doing the same thing with repulsor rays and everything. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. Maybe our readers can fill us in. That's just, that was just my guess, was that he wasn't quite powered up. Yeah, I want to know if that was a prevalent theory out there. All right, you want to move on to uh, Fallen Sun? Sure. Yeah, you're doing that one. Yes, I am. Well, you, you, I'm sorry, before we go on, okay. <laughs> we have passed on, tell me your thoughts. I know that you're in mourning. Yes, I am. I'm devastated. I I think that there's so much possibility. Okay, here's what I want to see, okay? And, and this is what I'm holding on to. This is the hope I have. All right, and, and you'll see this as we go through Fallen Sun, why I think this. I think he's going to come back. I think that he should come back as either the Sentry, like a new hero of the Sentry, without... All, all that history, like, he'll have that history, but, you know, it'll be like almost somebody new taking up the mantle. Or, he should come back as Marvel Man. Mm. I think that that's, I mean, that's a possibility that they could use. I think I would like to see, you know, they say that this is the the last giant crossover thing, but I would like to see a follow-up to this Um. Because Siege was about the Siege of Asgard. But I want to see something about the Sentry and how Galactus ties into it. And, you know, but they say they're not going to do that. Everything is supposed to be self-contained and not cross, you know, uh, cross-universe. But yet Shadowlands coming up and that's going to be cross-universe and that's going to be um, within each title. So I don't, I don't understand how they can say that. I, well, I think, isn't Shadowland just kind of... Mostly the street-level characters? Yes. Yeah, it is. So I guess maybe that's like a smaller version. I mean, they, they, you can't keep to that kind of promises because people like those crossovers, and that's what makes money. So it's, it's never going to happen. Well, I, th I think the, the distinction there is that you have either, um, you have like an Avengers epic or an Avengers event, or you have an X-Men event, or you have a Spider-Man event. Which is all good. I like those. I really enjoy those, you know, because you kind of get into the character and you're kind of like, ooh, this is something special happening with this character. And I kind of do get annoyed with the whole Marvel Universe crossover giant 
super thing. Some of the time, you know, the Secret Invasion was different, but the the Civil War and the Dark Reign, I, I did enjoy them, but I am ready for a break. But if you do anything with Galactus or a follow-up to the Sentry or anything like that, it's going to have to be huge. It's going to have to be everybody. But even, even in the big crossovers, like we were talking about with Civil War, Siege, Dark Reign, Secret Invasion, it's not always everybody. It's typically just like ten, 10 to, you know, 5 to 10 main characters or whatever. And we see everything that happens to them, but not everybody else. So even though they are these huge, big crossovers or whatever, they're really only entailing, you know, like 10 to 15 people. Yeah, but that doesn't make sense unless unless you're talking about the cosmic stuff because we don't even know about the cosmic stuff going on. You know, like here on Earth, we don't know anything about what Nova's doing or the Guardians of the Galaxy. So that makes sense. But, I mean, if something huge happens, it's going to be in the news. Well, what did you think? Well, that's what I mean. I mean, I would think so. Yeah, but that, I guess that's just what I'm saying. Like, with Secret Invasion, you know, really we only saw everything happen to a couple of characters. With Civil War, I think Civil War probably did the best of including so many characters because there were C and D-list characters that you haven't even seen in years. But Secret Invasion and Siege and Dark Reign, it was just really like the same people all the time. And I just wanted to see other parts of the Marvel world, Marvel Earth be affected by some of this stuff. So what are you saying? You're happy that it's over? Or? No, I was just saying, you know, if you're going to do a big crossover, like if, they, if, if, if they're going to do what you were kind of alluding to, if something big with Galactus is going to happen, I want to see more than just Spider-Man, Luke Cage, Wolverine, and Captain America and how they deal with Galactus. Yeah, that's tough to write, though. I mean, just sitting here thinking about, you know, they'd be freaking out and the best they could do is support and help other people and that's kind of boring stories well claremont could do it i cannot speak to that but (laughs) (laughs) all right buddy i've i've taken up enough of your time why don't you talk to us about fallen sun okay fallen sun siege epilogue the century fallen sun written by paul jenkins and penciled by tom rainey the cover is a lionel u so of course it's good um, it's a picture of Thor, Iron Man, um, Mr. Fantastic, and I don't know who the other hand is. Do you know who that is? I think it's Black Widow. I think those are her gauntlets. Okay, that's what I was wondering. I thought it was... I thought it was, but then I didn't see the Black Widow there at all. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, she's probably... She's gonna, she's in this movie this month called Iron Man 2, so they probably figured that'd be some good hands to put up. <laughs> Those are great hands. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> all right, they're setting down the sentry to his final resting place. And let's face it, we all knew the sentry was going to die and have to be killed. But what threw us off was the early release of this cover where they're laying down a, a shadow and the silhouette. They were laying somebody down with short hair. And so that I think that's what threw us off. I knew it was a sentry. I knew it. <laughs> I think they should have laid down um, Robert Reynolds instead of the Sentry. Like, I think that would have made more of an impact on me. Like, yeah, the Sentry's dead. We knew he was a bad guy. They knew he had to kill him. But more of a human interest would be, you know, laying down Robert Reynolds and saying, this guy who was fighting this inner struggle finally died. Because nobody really likes the Sentry anymore. (laughs) You do? Nobody who fought him. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So we begin. All right, we open up in a cemetery outside of New York. A man with one arm and a giant scar over his face is walking a dog. He looks very sad and tells the dog that it's time to go because no one else is going to show up. And right at that moment, he looks up to see the Fantastic Four, Daredevil, Rogue, Scott, and Emma, Doctor Strange, and Steve Rogers walking down the path toward him. Mr. Fantastic speaks first, calling the man Scout. He turns out to be Billy Turner, the centuries-old sidekick, uh, Scout. So Scout informs the group that the priest didn't even show up for the ceremony. And that kind of indicates that he was not a very well-liked individual. You know, like not, yeah. not a whole lot of people liked the century. And really, I don't know how he got that much press, good or bad. You know what I mean? Like, he wasn't in the limelight enough. And people forgot him twice in his lifetime, like the entire. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I'm I'm a little confused why everybody's so, like, oh, no one showed up. Maybe it's because he just, you know, because of what he did to Asgard and all that stuff. Right, but I mean, that's kind of like, well, I guess so. I guess so. I mean, n- not a whole lot of people had heard about Osama bin Laden before 9/11, and now people would be like, oh, well, I'm not going to his funeral, even if he was a good guy. At one <laughs> yeah. Time. All right. Um, Scout informs the group that the priest didn't even show up for the ceremony, and there are some exchanges as everyone pays their respects. Tony Stark pretty much speaks the most, uh, telling everybody how Robert helped him out through alcoholism and how it was always a choice that Robert helped him make. He hands out beer to everyone because Robert liked a beer every once in a while, but he had water because it was his choice. Um, short comment from Scout to Johnny Storm saying that he wished Spidey would have been, would have shown. This, to me, I don't understand why Spidey's not there. Like, this really stuck out to me. Like, out of everybody, why in the world would Daredevil show up and not Spider-Man? Like, Spider-Man is such a sentimental guy, you really think that he would have been there, you know? Yeah, and Cyclops and Emma, what do they have to do with the century, you know? Yeah, I think they were just wrapping the whole thing that, you know, I didn't get a chance to go back and reread, um, you know, the Century X-Men or anything like that. Um, I, I wanted to, but I didn't get a chance to. So I don't even really know. And Emma wasn't even around at that point. I mean, she, she was a bad guy still, so I think. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. I was the same way. I figured that, like, Spider-Man would have been there or uh, even somebody like Bucky, you know, who's had a lot of interaction with him lately. Right. Yeah. Uh, not Scott and Emma and Daredevil. And Doctor Strange, too. So, you know, it's kind of a weird group for Paul Jenkins to write. And I don't know whether he he handpicked these people or, you know. But I really like Paul Jenkins' writing. I mean, he's, he's my favorite Spider-Man writer. But this... Oh, Straczynski? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Over Straczynski, uh, Paul Jenkins, definitely. He really captures who... You know, Peter Parker struggled to be Spider-Man. So, anyway, that's another topic. So, it really stuck out to me that Spider-Man was not in here, especially since Paul Jenkins has such a history with Spider-Man anyway. Mm. All right, so we cut to an assisted living home where Robert's mother is sitting peacefully. Thor soon appears at her window, and it's obvious that she is suffering from either bad memory or perhaps dementia. And she remembers Thor a little bit from Bob and Lindy's wedding, and he asks her to dance and prepares to tell her the bad news. So that was kind of a touching scene. Yeah. We move back to the cemetery where Doctor Strange is talking about 
uh, how strong the sentry was and exactly what he had to endure, holding back the void far, uh, for as long as he did. Uh, and during this story, Clock during this story that um, Doctor Strange is, show is telling, Clock shows up, and Clock is the uh, semi-sentient robot recorder of Robert and Lindy. Reed tries to explain to Clock what has happened and how it was necessary for everybody involved. Uh, Clock proceeds to give Reed Bob's personal diary that he had never let anybody else read before. Clock tells Reed that uh, he is to read the last sentence on page 19, then he will understand. And I don't even really know what he's supposed to understand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he does, and Reed looks shocked and without words. I was trying to, I think he looks, in this picture, I was trying to say, okay, what kind of emotion, since there's no words here, what, what, are we, what is the reader supposed to get? He looks shocked, but he looks very sad as well, you know? He doesn't look panicked. He doesn't look like, oh, no, we're in trouble. Uh, like, you know, he's going to return or anything like that or if anything ever happened. It looks like he reads it and it's just, like, so sad and shocked that this is really here. So I don't even know, you know, I, I don't know what it is. Clock then informs the group that he will rebuild the watchtower in a specific location in anticipation of his master's return. Uh, Reed tries to explain something to him, but Clock tells him that they are no longer welcome and that if they should attempt to communicate or if they try to come into the watchtower, they will be exterminated upon detection. And then Clock flies away. Billy asks about the diary, but Reed tells him he can't say. Flat out strange. <laughs> Others share their memories, and Rogue has the hardest time because apparently they were an item for a while, and he was the only person powerful enough to hug her. And I thought this was interesting because this says more about Rogue than it does about the Sentry. All all she mentioned was hug and not kiss or love or anything else. It kind of shows what kind of intimacy she truly desires. You know what I mean? Well, I kind of read into it a little bit more than a hug. Well, I, yeah, I that's what I mean, but that's what she mentioned. Yeah. So, to me, it's kind of like, you know, he was the only person who could hug me. The way it's written, they did so much more. And they had such a, a physical relationship and a loving relationship, but all she really, all the intimacy she cared about was that hug to be held, that human contact, you know? And, I don't know, I thought that said more about her than it did about the Sentry. So I, I wondered why Paul Jenkins put that in, because it takes the focus off of the Sentry and puts it on her. And if they had, if they had written something like, he was the only one that could hug me and know how I felt, then, you know, it would put it back on the sentry saying, you know, he's very compassionate or, or whatever. It just came from so out of left field. You know, Ro I haven't seen Rogan Sentry in any issue ever together. And now there is all of a sudden they have this relationship. I know. It's weird. It's weird. I just didn't care for that at all. It just changes all of who Rogue has been since she was created. You know, it was always that no one could touch her, nobody, until she lost her powers, or when Chris Claremont came back during his 2000 run, for some reason Colossus was able to kiss her. But then now, it's like there was this whole relationship that she had with Sentry, and no one ever knew about it. And if she had this whole relationship with Sentry, that was more than just a hug, it was a physical relationship, where was Lindy during this time? Well, we already saw uh, the Sentry with the... Um... Didn't we see him with Crystal and the Inhumans? Oh, yeah. I forgot he was manning that up, too. 
Yeah, so I it kind of really takes away from the century, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, for me it does. Maybe not for you. I don't know. All right. Well, it does. Yeah, it does. I mean, even though I don't really care for the century, I just felt that it kind of took away from the century of the character, whether I liked him or not. It just made him, this makes him make even less sense to me. You're right, because you, you think of him, of, I thought of him as a very upstanding, very moral, and uh, that's what gave me his, you know, his, that's what piqued my interest, is because this very moral person had to struggle with this very deep darkness inside of him, but he knew it was right, but he couldn't control the evil. Not what was right was very ambiguous. All right, so, moving on. Ben finally speaks up, telling everyone that he didn't really even like the Sentry, and he is finally going to say why. Long ago, the Fantastic Four was battling the Wrecking Crew, and the crew has just injured many children in a school bus, and Ben was insane with anger. He was on the brink of killing Crowbar when the sentry stopped him, telling him that that's not what heroes do. See, that's that flat-out black and white. The sentry forced Ben to stop, and the crew was arrested, then imprisoned. Shortly afterwards, they escaped, and Crowbar immediately went out and killed a bus full of kindergartners, just to prove a point. What? The Wrecker. Oh, that was the Wrecker? Yeah. But he has a mystical Crowbar. Oh, my bad. My bad. That's all right. So, I thought it was the Wrecking Crew and his... Oh, okay, the Wrecker. Got it. Thank you for correcting me. No problem. I just didn't want to... I was like, oh, I'll let him pass once, but if he keeps doing it, I gotta I gotta slap him real quick. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> With severe rhetoric. All right, good. <laughs> all right, Ben was angry uh, about that, but... That isn't why he hated the Sentry. He hated him because the Sentry was a bigger man and a better hero than Ben. Ben would have killed him, and that's not what heroes do. Lastly, we wrap up the issue with Reed speaking about his best friend. He talks about the agony of saying goodbye, and yet how the sun sets on everyone, but also how the sun always rises, and when it does, he will always think of the Sentry. So what do you think? I I didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't care for it all. <laughs> I didn't uh I didn't like the art. I didn't like the just making up stuff and piecing it together. I mean like I I enjoyed the Illuminati because they were able to go back in the past and really show where pieces of Illuminati fit in to continuity. Or is this, they're just, like, making stuff up and saying, well, we'll just grab this and stick it in and hope that it fits, you know? I just didn't care for that at all. I think this was ill-timed. I think this was a more of a favor to Paul Jenkins than it was doing the Sentry any favors, you know? It's like, okay, we killed your character. Why don't you go ahead and write... <laughs> you know, why don't you go ahead and write something, you know, the sum of everything, how everybody feels about them. And... um Everything was so contrived. It was so fabricated and manufactured. Like like you said, this stuff didn't even really happen. The century was a hoax. So to go back and say, oh, I really cared about this guy, and you never see it anywhere, it it's like ridiculous. I think it was a waste of an issue. I really like the century. I really do. But if you're going to do a siege epilogue, make siege number four, the battle where they kill the sentry, and siege epilogue, a picture that they have a funeral, and then follow it up with the Avengers party, talking to the president, and do everything like that. We This was, it wasn't real. It's like almost out of continuity. 
It's ridiculous. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. It breaks the flow with everybody else's stories as well. It does. It does. I mean, everything that's going over in the X titles, I don't see Rogue and Cyclops and Emma just getting up and coming over here. And everything that Daredevil's doing, uh, you know, with the hand, just showing up for this funeral and just doesn't, it doesn't flow right. You're right. And you could, you can make a, you know, you could say this was before, but it's, it's, it's not, this is not before. This is happening at the same time as, um, Second Coming, isn't it? Because none of the characters are there. I, I guess Wolverine shows up afterwards, but, you know, you would think that maybe some of the X-Men would come and help out with Siege. I don't know. I don't know. I was disappointed. I was glad for Paul Jenkins that he got to write this, but I was disappointed that, uh, how it turned out. Yeah. What'd you think of the art? Do you like Tom Rainey? What else has he done? He's done some X-Men stuff. Okay, I think I, like back in the, um, early 2000s? Probably early 2000s. I mean, he, he's usually, he'll do a couple fill-ins. He's not typically a guy that is on something for a long time. It reminds me of Uncanny, like, 420-ish around there. Yeah, no, I'm not a huge fan of the, I mean, some of these pictures are good, but most of them you're kind of like, I don't like the faces, you know? Yeah, it's kind of strange. It is kind of weird. Now, I don't know. I can't. I can't pick out why. The whole thing was weird with the beer and everything. And yeah, <laughs> it was just really strange. Like you know, Tony Stark. He's Paul Jenkins is trying to communicate to the audience how Sentry helped Tony, but at the same time he's alienating the audience because he's saying. All you people out there that suffer from alcoholism, it's a choice, but it's also a disease, and it's all wrapped up in one. So, the century's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I really had high hopes for this, and I, and I, unfortunately, it didn't meet them. Yeah. Oh, well, what can we do? Well, except get jobs at Marvel, I guess. Well, there is that, of course, obviously. <laughs> all right, let's talk a little bit. I don't know if you picked out any topics or anything, but we're going to talk a little bit about State of the Union, uh, which will, I think will include, you know, all the Siege tie-ins, uh, Dark Avengers 16, which I know you're probably dying to talk about, and um, if we get to it, a little bit of the Hulk, and we'll, because that, as much as we want to ignore it, is going on right now, and we'll leave the X-Men, <laughs> we'll leave the X-Men out of this, because I have a feeling that next podcast or next episode will be very X-Men centric. Okay. State of the Union. Do you, sir, have any topics? I picked out a couple things I wanted to talk about, but I'll give you first swing. Well, no, I mean, Dark Avengers. I'm just so bummed it's over. It was such a good series. It was just fantastic. Now, did you, did you read the letter at the end? Yeah. What did you think of that? Um, I mean, it was a good... I liked what he had to say. He he was just like, you know, I'm really sorry it has to end. I'm glad everybody liked it. Um, but there's no possible way for this to continue. It may, I mean, you can't. So you agree that there's no possible way for this book to continue? Not, not in the heroic age. There's no room for a Dark Avengers. Okay, well, I'll, I'll give you that. I was thinking that they could run out and be their own thing. I don't know. They're... I was trying to think of a different possibility, and I thought that you you could do it, but I guess in the grand scheme of things, is it technically possible? Yes. Is it good for what Marvel's doing now? No. Yeah. 
I mean, but it was just such a, it was just such a great series. The whole thing was so good from the characters to um, the the junk that they got involved in, just all of it. You know, I, I just didn't want this one to end. I wanted to just read it forever. It was so good. Well, what did you think really? about, what did you think about how it ended? Uh, it, uh, <laughs> it, I mean, it, I guess they wrapped it up as best they could, but, uh. It could have been better. I felt like they just kind of took them out pretty quickly. I liked how Norman, I liked the ending with Norman. That was pretty sweet. Uh, with the whole Green Goblin thing at the end. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. Okay, because you were very keen on the whole thing of the Green Goblin was really Loki. Obviously, this is not Loki now. Well, no, but I still, I mean, based on, it was word for word in those other issues what Loki was saying as Norman Osborn was hearing it and thinking it was a Green Goblin. So I, I still really believe that that was Loki. It was not the Green Goblin talking to him. So I don't know if maybe, you know, all this trauma that's happened to Norman has now caused the Green Goblin to, to resurface. Or, you know, maybe Loki isn't gone or, or what. I don't know. But I think it's a really good foretelling of things to come. In what way? Well, I mean, you can't just... You can't just do that to us and have. <laughs> there's no way that Norman Osborn's going to stay in jail until you know you and I are 80 years old. That's I'm, not going to happen. I don't know, man. I mean, I took I took it the whole thing with Loki as yeah, Loki was prompting sometimes, but he was really, I mean, he was talking to the Green Goblin. And if you take if dark uh, if Dark X Men is in continuity with uh, you know Nathan Gray, they released the Green Goblin from his psyche, you know, the cage that he had him in. Mm-hmm. So forgot about that. I mean maybe you could you could put it in a timeline and say Loki, then the release, and then now this. But um I don't know. Pretty interesting. And, and there were some other good parts. I like um you know when Dokken escaped because I knew that Dokken had to have a series. You know, he was gonna have a series coming up. So I knew there was some way they weren't going to be able to capture him. I really liked that part, and I liked um, I liked interaction with Phobos and Thor. I, one of my favorite parts was Victoria Hand and how she's going to be working with Steve Rogers now, because I always liked her as a character, yep. and I was really hoping that she wouldn't just kind of disappear, um, kind of like Maria Hill kind of has. Yeah. She hasn't been as uh, uppity as she was during Civil War and stuff. Um, I think Ms. Marvel, the way they took out Moonstone and Bullseye, they just took them out so quickly. I would have kind of liked them to be defeated. Uh, you know, it's a little bit more of a battle. But, uh, I mean, I'd probably give it like a 7 or 8. Yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it was good. What do you think about Victoria Hand as a whole? I mean, like, throughout this whole series, what would you characterize her as? Is she a good guy? Is she a bad guy? kind of towed the line. I think she had good intentions for Norman, and I think she honestly did care about his him and wanting him to, you know, really get counseling and help him out, and, you know, he hired her to do this job, and she took it on 24-7, uh, no breaks. Um, I think parts of her probably did get tainted with some of the things that she saw and things that were going on, um, and, and that's why I kind of think it's going to be such such a good dynamic with her and Steve Rogers. Because, you know, he's the all-American apple pie guy. And she's kind of, you know, we do whatever we need to do to get it done. I never stop working. But I also worked for Norman, so I know how to get things done. You know? Right. What did you, did you care for? 
Yeah, I did. I really liked her, and I always thought that, you know, she she gave Norman, she was the only person that really stood up to Norman besides Dokken, but Dokken did it in a very underhanded way. She was saying, if you want me to do this, you will see a counselor, or if, you know, and really, like, you know, trying to make this work, and she was trying to, I, she never struck me as an all-in-out bad guy. And No, uh, no way. Yeah, and I think even when, when Bullseye killed Lindy, right, didn't she turn around and, and, uh, She's like, what? What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. Her character's interesting. I hope that she develops. Um, Ma you know, Maria Hill was is a very one-dimensional character. And to me, she's very flat. But I think that Victoria Hand has an opportunity to become more than that. Yeah, and I, I don't think she's one-dimensional at all. I would like to see, you know, more about her. Instead of giving us a sword series, give us a series, you know, a mini-series about Victoria Hand and, and what's going on with her, how she came to be, what she is, what else has she done, you know, because she, she just kind of appeared, kind of like Maria Hill did, just out of nowhere, poof, here she is. Right. So uh, let's see what's going on with her. Right. I could definitely see that. And I, I, don't, I don't think a Maria Hill mini would interest me at all, but I do think a Victoria Hand mini would interest me because... Yeah. She toes the line, but she had good intentions as she was on the bad guy side. But she was from account, accounting. How did the world she get up there, you know? And so, I mean, we did see a little bit of that. I think uh, there was a flashback where she was boxing or something or doing kickboxing. Mm, got me. I think, I think it was in The Dark Avengers. I'm not sure. What did you think of, near the end, Osborne's dialogue or his uh, monologue, I guess? where he starts out, I was right, the world is a mess, and the world needed me to fix it, and I would have, I could have. What do you think of that whole thing? Uh, I think he was totally right. Read everything that he said. Uh, and he was totally correct in in his plan of how to get things done. Yeah, he was crazy and psychotic, and he was a villain, but he saw all these problems and new solutions to take care of them. and But he wasn't able to. I mean, okay, I know that the mutants of this world will rise up and kill us. Well, I mean, Neil Magneto has tried to do that one or two times, and no one has, you know, they've they've not ever put an ultimate end to him. He's just kind of paused him for a little while. I know that the Hulk will one day decide to destroy everything he sees. You know, Hulk has been around since 1961, 62, 63, and he's still doing all this stuff. No one has ultimately been able to put a stop to him. I know the Punisher will one day kill the wrong person in South Chain events that will lead to nuclear holocaust. I would not put that past Frank Castle to do that. You know, Victor Von Doom will crush us underfoot in his last mass, uh, gasp of air. Uh, yeah, he's been around since Fantastic Four. You know, this kind of stuff has been going on forever, and Norman was really the first one to step up and say, we're absolutely going to put an end to all these people. You know, I expected you to not have this, but I totally agree with you. I, I, that's what I was, that's what I was asking. Oh, uh, you want me to argue? I can change my mind. No, 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 no. <laughs> if you look at this title as a whole, okay, he picked the, they were difficult to control, but he picked the, the, the best people he knew, uh, that would do exactly what he says because they like to do what he says. Not because what he wanted to do was bad, but because <laughs> he chose villains so that it would get done and like people they wouldn't question like Dawkins not going to question oh kill this guy you know and Osborne took on one of the the hardest jobs in the world being leader of people who will stab him in the back at a moment's notice mm -hmm. literally kill him and 
I really think that he is not unlike every other superhero out there because without going by the law or anything, he looked and said, okay, this needs to be done. I'm going to do the right thing and do it. And his definition of the right thing was different. His was, you know, the ends justify the means. And so he said, if I can do this and get to, you know, safety of humanity, safety of America, then it's fine. I this this makes him so much more of an interesting character. This monologue to me, seeing it and seeing how it fits into place, makes it totally different than the Green Goblin. Mm-hmm. And yet he's struggling with the villain inside of him. I don't know. I mean, like I said, he did exactly what every other superhero does. He does. He sees what is best and he tries to do it. And um, compare that to Doctor Doom, who in Doom War Three. Did you read that? Doom War Three. Yeah, I think I grabbed that one. Yeah, where he says. Um, you know, he says, well, Doom World would be the best world possible, and I'm going to kill all these oh, people, yeah. and I'm going to do that. I don't, you know, I don't believe him. I don't trust him. I don't, I think he just wants all this power. But really, you trust Osborne, and, and when you says, okay, well, he's going to see this, he has a list, he's going to take care of these things. And, but see, the weird thing to me is, and this might have just been an oversight, he talks about the Punisher. Well, he killed the Punisher. Doc and killed it, and he doesn't know that the Punisher's still alive. I mean, unless he was just saying that's an example of what could happen. Does he not know that the Punisher's still alive? No, he doesn't. How do we know that? There's no indication that he does, except for this right now, that he knows that the Punisher is Frankencastle right now. But he's saying it right here. I mean, Osborne pretty much always knows what's going on. Regardless, I can't speak to that. I don't know. But... My last point is that we know that he did not go crazy with this power because Spider-Man is still alive. If he got into the position and went nutso with all this power, Spider-Man would be dead. And he would have used everything to go after Spider-Man, but instead he used everything to try to neutralize what he thought was a threat. Now, hiring the hood in all this is sort of you know, they had an uneasy relationship, so it's sort of out of character. But other than that, I really see that, you know, I really see this happening. I really see that he could be um, a superhero, a very extreme superhero, battling the one supervillain that he needs to battle, which is not Spider-Man, but is actually the Green Goblin. Yeah, himself. He's his biggest enemy. But, and you know, I mean, even though we didn't care for the list issues majority wise he he was trying to do that you know he's trying to really look at the seven most significant threats and take them out not because he was a homicidal maniac because those were the biggest threats yep what did you think of uh bendis publicly thanking warren ellis that was kind of out of nowhere i thought i didn't that was weird I thought so, too. I was like, you're going to thank a guy who can't even finish his astonishing run and has to start a new <laughs> run halfway through? Yeah. He was like, yeah, we thank Mike Diodato, and that was great. But Warren Ellis? Like, Warren who? What? Every time I hear Warren Ellis, I just think of the crappy issues of X-Force that he wrote back in the day. So, kind of tinge there. He did a good, he did good Thunderbolts, but that's like the best thing I've ever read that he wrote. Uh, yeah, I've just never really gotten him. People seem to put him on this big pedestal, but I don't get it. I don't really get it either. I don't see that. Especially when he was so indirectly involved with this. It was weird. But uh, I think it was 
you know, the Norman piece was probably the most interesting part of this issue. Yeah, I really thought it tied. I I thought it tied up great because the other villains we're going to see again, but we're not going to see Norman for a long time, I think. And if we do, it's going to be a big thing. And it should be because even though, like, I really I, that's why I didn't want Dark Reign to end because I've just I've thought this was some of the best stories from Marvel in a long time was Dark Reign because it was just so unexpected. It's something that you would never seen anything even similar to. And I just fell in love with the Norman Osborn character and who he was and what he was doing and what he was working with on the Dark Avengers. And it was just such a complex character. Um, and I lost my train of thought. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> oh, 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 I know, I know, I know. Because um, you said he's going to be gone for a long time. Yes, he should. Because if he, you know, is back in six months or something, it just totally cheapens everything. Oh, he needs to be gone and not come until something big. Like, you know, when Apocalypse comes. You know, Apocalypse should come like every five to ten years because he's just that big. Same with Galactus, stuff like that, you know. Norman is now in those ranks. Right, and that's, I mean, that is very difficult to elevate a character to that, especially one that's almost just human. Yeah, absolutely. Just a human with, you know, with some serum in his blood. All right. I, I guess that's it. Anything else to say about, like, uh, Siege Embedded Number 4 or uh, Avengers Initiative 35? Yeah, you know, that one I just kind of flipped through just to, because I'm not really following that one. I just wanted to see the Siege pieces um, in Asgard, you know. That was all I really looked at. I thought it was kind of interesting with the whole um, Diamondback Captain America thing. Uh, and then, you know, with Constrictor getting upset, that was kind of humorous to me a little bit. What, well, I, what did, was there anything you want to talk about with them? Well, I thought that the Avengers Initiative 35 had great art. Um, I thought it really wrapped up uh, the initiative as a whole, because it went back to kind of the first class and what was going on with them and it wrapped up that story. Tigra finally got her <laughs> licks on the hood and hit them where it really hurt. We got to see Tigra's baby. It was interesting. I liked it. I liked it. Oh, and something that really Prodigy is exploring, reuniting the Slingers. Did you read yeah. that? Yeah. Ah, that's good news for me. I mean, I like the Slingers. Who doesn't, right? <laughs> I mean, they were they were pretty big in their time. I mean, they didn't sell very well, but everybody, they were like critically acclaimed, you know? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Great I would love to see series. that. was before, that was almost, I think that was... A, few years, two or three years before I started reading. Maybe longer. But anyway, I have to say, Tiger looks fantastic. <laughs> and she lost all that baby weight. Good for her. <laughs> she looks way better than that issue you gave me of her. <laughs> she's, she's been ironing her hair. I don't know what that means, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it was a good wrap-up, and I really did like this artist. Who is this? Who does this? Oh, and the, oh. just, uh, you know, uh, Taskmaster, how it kind of, he was a big player in this whole series, and uh, I like him. He's good. He's like a a sane um, Deadpool. Yeah, that's kind of what I equated him to as well. Along with, you know, kind of wrapping up Siege, uh, did you do a New Avengers finale? Oh, I did finally read that, yes. What did you think? Uh, I uh, I don't have it in front of me. Okay, that's but, fine, man. I just, uh, I mean, I just love the whole New Avengers series from even, you know, the first issue 
just bringing the team together, the escape from the raft, and you know everything. I just thought the whole series was really good, and it was it was finally you know Marvel was saying that maybe we should put our biggest guns all together in one in one comic book, you know, like DC's done. Um, I felt like this issue. I think it ended well. The end of this, the new Avengers finale, was good. Uh, I can't stand Hitch. I know that you like Hitch, but I just can't stand his art. But that just kind of killed a whole thing for me from the beginning. But um, I don't know. It just kind of felt like a lot of filler. Uh, they went in and they got the Hood and and uh, Count Nefaria and uh, Madame Mask and whatever. But uh, but otherwise, it was just kind of. I just didn't think it was for a finale issue. I wanted something big. You know, yeah, in a big way, or do something really cool instead of just capture some loser villains and give them to Maria Hill. You know, big deal. I don't need a you know a fifty-page issue for that. See, um, I like the way that they ended it because they just went back through some of the big pivotal moments and just took pages from previous issues, put them all together to kind of wrap up the series and show you know what all happened in the span of just. Just uh, since Avengers disassembled, they they really did touch a lot of different territories from House of M and and all kinds of stuff. You know, with Secret Invasion and Civil War. Uh, so I liked the recapping at the end. I thought that was that was really good. Well, you have to understand or remember that uh, I know you understand, but you have to remember that this was the flagship title for all of the. Um, you know, everything that was going on, all the events, all 7, 9, 28 of them, this was the flagship title. And yeah, the ending, you know, with Count Nefaria, I thought it was going to lead into the, the X-Men vs. Vampires thing that's going to come up in, where, July? I thought it was going to lead into that because Nefaria is, what, a Nosferatu or he's a vampire or something. But um, it didn't go there. Um, they beat him very quickly. They beat those. So I didn't understand that. But to wrap it up, I mean, I think it would have been better if they just gave it a different issue number instead of calling it Finale, and if they called um, it Dark Avengers Finale instead of Dark Avengers 16, you know? If they switched those two. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I don't know why they did that. I didn't think it was particularly extremely well written, but let's face it. Ever since um, Bendis started writing Dark Avengers, New Avengers is really taking a back seat, and I don't... <laughs> I really don't think it's just that the spotlight is on Dark Avengers now. I think it was that, you know, the writing, quality of the writing went down. Not by much, but I think the quality went down a little bit. Yeah, no, I agree. The Avengers, I mean, I would say it's like the first half of the series was much better than the second half of the series. Ever since Mighty Avengers started, I think. Oh, uh, yeah, let's not go there. Well, Mighty Avengers, when Bendis was writing it, I really did enjoy. And I like the interaction between New Avengers and Mighty Avengers and how each of them retraced different parts of their stories. I really found that interesting. I, I loved how he wrote that. But In Mighty? Yeah, like Mighty Avengers, you had the Ultron arc, and then you had the, the Symbiont arc. You know what I'm yep. talking about? The first 12 uh -huh. issues? Yep. But New Avengers went in and out of that continuity and said, okay, well, we're going to take a story from here, you know, in between these two issues and then in between these two issues. And then, like, you know, six issues later, it was still dealing with stuff that happened in, in you know, the first or two issues of Mighty Avengers. I was never really able to get into Mighty Avengers, no matter how I tried. What happened? <laughs> it was just hard when there was all those 
B-list Avenger characters. I, I need Iron Man, Thor, and Captain America for my Avengers. Uh, see, that, yeah, I could see that, but I didn't start reading when those were the Avengers. I, I started reading right after Disassembled. Oh, yeah, so I guess that, yeah, that makes sense then. Right, so the new Avengers was kind of my team of Avengers. Let's touch on Hulk, and then we'll do our team. Do you have Tina's? I do. Do you? Yes, I do. Let's touch on Hulk, and then do our Tina's, and, and let's blow this popsicle stand. All right. Hulk, I did not read. I've just been following on the message board. Oh. Which message board? Our message board. <laughs> what other message board is there? <laughs> <laughs> My bad. All right. Hulk 22 and Incredible Hulk 609, I believe. Uh, Hulk 22, we found out that the Red Hulk, or Hulk, is indeed... General, is it Thunderbolt? Yeah, Thunderbolt Ross. Ross. Yeah. Which, I predicted that back during the funeral issue, so that was a couple months ago. I didn't get it right away. It was kind of a letdown. I wanted it to be somebody really cool. <laughs> like who? Who would have been better? Um, Banshee. What? <laughs> what? I mean, it just, it, I just wanted somebody cool. And I don't, Thunderbolt Ross is just, he's just boring to me. Yeah, but Banshee wouldn't make any sense. Because it, it was so out of left field. It would have been like, what? No, I need to know why it would be Banshee, you know? No, no, I disagree. Respectfully, <laughs> I respectfully disagree with you. Banshee or like Electra or, you know, like Ego, the living planet, something. <laughs> <Right for food. laughs> okay. No. Uh, 609, we found out that Red She-Hulk was uh, Betty. Betty Ross, or Betty Banner, as it were. And what did you think about that? Again, I think I'm skewed because I started reading Hulk at Incredible Hulk number 34, and uh, that was Return of the Monster when, um, who was writing that? Chuck Jones, Chuck Dixon, Chuck Jones. I Chuck Woolery. Chuck what? Chuck Woolery from The Love Connection. I have no idea what that is. All right, keep going. Okay. So I started writing there, and I I wasn't I didn't read any Peter David Hulk, which I hear is like the epitome of Hulk. So to me, like Betty was supposed to be Mister Blue, and then all of a sudden Peter David came in and wrote like a rewrite in four issues, and was like, "Oh, it was just a joke. It was the leader that was mind controlling you for the past seventy issues." And then, and then you know, you have Planet Hulk, and then Greg Pak jumped the board. So I said it before: Pak writes very clear and concise and tight knit continuity, but I just don't care. I, I really, I don't find it interesting. Betty should stay dead. It's not a yep. huge like, oh no, she's the Red Hulk. How was she ever? It's kind of like, um, you know, everybody he knows is now Hulkified, and so that cheapens what he is. You know, it's awful. It's just awful. And Jeff Loeb, I mean, my goodness, how how much longer can you draw this out? How much? Oh, I don't know. Hulk is just so sad anymore. I don't care about it at all. I don't know. I can't. I can't think of a reason. I don't. I can't think of how it hasn't been interesting to me since Chuck wrote it. So, and I've still been reading it. I don't know why. I don't know why I tortured myself. <laughs> so, I, and the money that you spend on those issues to me. Issues to you? No, you can just spend the save. You know, send the money that you spend on those issues. Just send it to me. Oh, obviously, yeah, obviously. Like that, but... Yeah, you're right. That is a lot of wasted money. I hope Jackie doesn't listen to this. 
Oh, you can delete that part out. <laughs> it's continuity. He's going back and retconning things. Can't do that. All right. Well, let's. Uh, anything else on State of the Union? Oh, uh, I'm just going through the topics. No, I don't see anything. Okay. All right. Shadowlands coming up. I'm kind of psyched for that. I saw a cover. Be in on Shadowland because I don't understand what's going on. Right now, Daredevil, who is in charge of the Hand, which you already know that, is building something in New York called Shadowland. Uh, we don't know what it is yet, but he's definitely trying to save New York, and a lot of people are questioning what he's doing and how he's doing it. So I think a lot of New York street level, like you said, people are going to be in on this, and that I, I think that's awesome. And also I saw a cover with... um. The Punisher, not Frankencastle, but The Punisher, mm. on it. So I'm hoping that that madness ends soon. <laughs> I don't know. We don't have that much information on it, but it should Why be good. Why is Daredevil running the hand? Oh, because... All right, let's see if I can remember. Daredevil was... He was approached by the hand to run it. He said no, and then uh, Wilson Fisk came back, and they had to make a, a pact, and then... They both tried to double cross each other, and um, it turned out that uh, Fisk was going to take control of the hand. And so Daredevil or Matt Murdock said, "Yes, I'm going to do it." And then now he's uh, he's in charge of the hand, but he's working inside to, against them, trying to uh, cut them off without them knowing. And so it's a very dangerous place to be in. He's got White Tiger and Black. Tarantula? Yeah, there's a character, Black Tarantula. I think it's him. Uh, I think the the White Tiger and Black Tarantula are um, helping him do that. And so I'm, I'm really not exactly sure where it's going to go, but I I do know that um, ever since uh, the list Daredevil, where um, Hawkeye or Bullseye was going after him, he's been working on rebuilding uh, a lot of New York that got destroyed, and I think Shadowland is a part of that. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for clearing that up for me. No problem. I, I gotta tell you, man, I have to tell you, you have to read Bendis' run of Daredevil. It's, like, fantastic. Oh, uh, it doesn't even look appealing. What are you talking about? It's awesome. The, the art in Daredevil is so bad. No, it's not. <laughs> Alex Malev, or whatever his name is? Oh, yeah, Alex Malev. <laughs> I just, it's just so shady. And 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 discombobulated. It's it's not. It's <laughs> it, it's amazing. You dude, you have to give it. You have to read the first six issues at least of Bendis's run. I'm just not even interested. What are you talking? I read the Days of Futures Past or whatever. Oh, you did. Yeah, Claremont you Corner. Interested. You are interested. I am not interested in anything that has to do with Claremont. I'm sorry. <laughs> I read it for you, though. Okay. Well, I could do that. Is it in trade form? Yes, yes, of course. All right. Well, I might, I'll see if the library has it or something. I don't want to drop too much money on it. No, don't. Yeah, don't spend too much on it. But, I mean, it's it's fantastic. I, I'll look. I'll see if I have the hardcover. I got I got to have some of them. Um, I might send it to you. Okay. If I send it to you, you, you better read it. I would. It's a... <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to our Tina's. The Tina Awards. How many do you have? I got two. How about you? I've got three. Whoa, whoa, three. All right. 
I, uh, what issues are these covering? Um, let's see. Fallen Sun. Okay. Fallen Sun. And, well, one is kind of everything. Then one is Fallen Sun, and one is Dark Avengers. Okay, all right. Mine are, I'm giving you a range, okay? In, uh, Initiative 35, Avengers 16, Fallen Sun, and Siege number 4. That's where mine came from. But, yeah, I only have two. Yeah, how does that work? Well, I'm giving you a range. I'm not telling you what issues they came from. That's too easy. Well, I did that for you. I know. You messed up. Uh, this is wrong. Well, that's <laughs> changing my penis. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You, you, you win this battle, Batman. You, you can change your Tina's on the fly? That's how good I am. <laughs> that's amazing. No, I can't. <laughs> okay. All right. Give me the first one. All right. The first one is Complicated Disaster. Okay, I'll go with the whole uh, backstory that never really took place with the funeral and everything. Uh, it was just kind of Century as a whole. But yeah, I would just go with Century as a whole because it's just, you know, we still don't, he's dead and we still don't understand what's going on. You know, is it the Galactus thing? Is it, you know, is was he really the angel of death or was that just what Norman Osborn was saying? Um, you know, he, he just appeared and, and now we're making up continuity. Um, from 20, 30 years ago and just saying that this is what happened. Uh, is he really dead? Then we've got his little computer guy flying off and saying he is coming back, yet Thor burned him in the sun. But didn't he go to the sun to get re-energized? And he's just so a complicated disaster is what I thought of the character of the century. Right, but Bendis' track record is really to come back to things. And so I have a hard time believing that Bendis would leave all these loose ends. Doesn't seem like the heroic age is going anywhere near Century. We're going everywhere else but there. Yeah, so we might see him in a few years. Yeah, but I, I think we should just leave him alone. <laughs> for a while, at least. I just feel bad for Lindy. For Lindy? Because she's dead? Well, because, yeah, she drowned. You know she's going to, some somebody's going to resurrect her as a, as a supervillain. She'll be the Yellow Hulk. Yes, exactly. You're right. <laughs> the Sun Hulk. She Sun Hulk. There we go. Shulk. Shulk. <laughs> there was a Y in there. All right. Without you. So I find myself another way to learn to live another day without you, yeah. Uh, uh, oh, well, would that be because Sentry died? Yeah, but what character? Because Sentry died. Uh, Rogue. <laughs> <laughs> Close. I'll give you one more guess. Stubby-armed guy? What was his name? <laughs> Stubby K. No. No. Clock. Clock is the one that will not accept that he is dead. Oh, okay. Okay. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, Clock was pseudo-interesting. Okay, whatever. All right, <laughs> next. <laughs> um, something beautiful remains. For every life that Um, the piece of Asgard on top of the tower, the Avengers Tower. Oh, that was a good guess. No, you get one more. <laughs> you, you are mocking me. Something beautiful remains. Um, the repeal of the Superhuman Registration Act? Hmm, 
Nope. It would be Phobos. Phobos is uh. the only remnant of Ares, and uh, that whole talk with Thor and uh, Phobos, it was kind of foretelling, I think, of, you know, where Phobos is going to be playing in the Marvel Universe. I think he's going to have a role. Uh, I hope he has a role because I'm interested in him. Um, so he's kind of the something that re- beautiful remains of Ares' legacy. I see. All right. Well, that was good. Good enough. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm glad I was able to meet your expectations. <laughs> Yay, we're adequate. Woo! <laughs> All right. Uh, my final, Tina, is don't rush the good things. That's a good one. Um, would that be rushing the heroic age? In what way? Um, stage number four. <laughs> Did you just give me two completely different answers? <laughs> no, no, because stage number four, there was other stuff that could have happened, and they just kind of rushed, rushed to it. Yes, yeah, exactly. Don't rush the good things. You got this awesome thing for a major battle, and that's kind of what comics are about, and. And they didn't even do it. So they're like, oh, plus it's done, and the president, and the Avengers have a party. Oh, and they repealed the Superhuman Registration Act. <laughs> like, and it's 22 pages. Yeah, <laughs> I did good. <laughs> well done, nicely. And your final? My final one is Crazy in the Night. It's crazy. Norman Osborn in his cell alone, in the dark. Yeah, yeah, good one. All right, right on. Yeah, he is nuts. He's he's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> he is a crazy in the night, right. Yeah, he lost it. You know, I started looking through all these Tinas and everything, uh, you know, to pick out, you know, what I do is kind of look at the titles and then say, oh, that reminds me of this that I read. They're all sexual in some way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what people write songs about, is love and, you know, relationships. I I guess so, but her more than anyone. (laughs) No way. (laughs) Madonna. (laughs) Dude, Tina Turner, she's got, she's a 70-year-old, and she has one, she's got a one-track mind. (laughs) No way. (laughs) (laughs) All right, dude, I think that about wraps it up uh, again. Uh, this has been Marvel 616 Politics. Go to our website, marvel616politics.com. Email us at uh, marvel616politics at gmail.com. And follow us on Twitter. Uh, we're always talking to some uh, creators or somebody that works over at Marvel. So listen in on the conversation and put your two cents in. It's twitter.com slash 616politics or just at 616politics. Hit us up on Facebook.com uh, slash Marvel616Politics. Got some good conversations uh, going on there. I was actually typing on there while, I was, while we were doing this podcast, uh, replying to Tyga and some other people. And then you can give us a holler. Uh, for real, you know, if you leave us a, uh, um, a question or a comment that is clean and appropriate, we'll be happy to play it on air. Uh, just give us a call at 616-755-TINA.
All right, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, until next time, make yours Marvel 616 Politics.